naturally occurring psychoactive compound, psilocybin, is found in over 200 species of mushrooms. Despite their millennia of use by humans for mental and spiritual well-being, they have been classified falsely among the most dangerous and illegal of substances. Locked away from those who need them most. The Psilocybin Chronicles documents the individuals who courageously consume, collect, or cultivate these mushrooms to improve the quality of their lives. Won't you join us as we welcome the return of psilocybin? Welcome back to the Psilocybin Chronicles. I am your host, Eric Osborne. Trauma, in one form or another, affects all of us. A huge variety of life events can contribute to the trauma that we suffer from. Lately, I've been thinking about ways that I may have inflicted trauma on myself or others. My children, my spouse, women in general. When I think about some of my past behaviors, honestly, I cringe, particularly in regards to women. Now, please don't get me misconstrued. I have never raped or assaulted a woman, but... I have imposed my belief on women that if I loved them, that they should love me. I have transferred my trauma of rejection onto women in my life. Most of this was in high school and college. Shortly after that, I married and, well, I began inflicting trauma on my wife and my family, mainly in the form of unrealistic expectations, but trauma nonetheless. And trauma was inflicted on me. To some degree, it's inevitable in our intimate relationships Minimally, we transfer trauma onto others, but almost certainly, in some ways, we directly traumatize our loved ones. Men, in particular, I believe that it is time we take note on the abuses we have inflicted on women over the millennia. Not only take note, it's time that we alter our behavior and thought patterns and help women recover from the trauma that we and our predecessors have inflicted. I'm not saying that it will be easy or that it will happen overnight. Every human deserves the ability to find his or her own voice. The voices of women have been all but drowned out for far too long. After all, they were for centuries, and in many cases still are, considered property. It took nearly 100 years for women to gain the right to vote in the United States. And just as with American slavery and segregation, we cannot expect the damage from this trauma to be healed in a short space of time. What we can do is shift our focus. Rather than recalling all of the ways that women have been subjugated, I would rather admire all of the ways that they inspire. For instance, I was laying in bed the other night with my wife and our 16-month-old son, I don't know how I got to this thought or memory or or whatever it was, but I began reflecting on his birth, uh, particularly on the fact, the 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 visualization, the visual rec- recognition, rewind, particularly on the 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 visual imagery of my son nearly splitting my wife in two, uh, coming out of her body, witnessing that entire process, being there with her and for her. Uh, It was truly one of the greatest moments of my life. Uh, The births of all my children, for sure, but this this was the first time uh, due to two previous C-sections that I was actually allowed to see the full unfolding, uh, the full birth of a human being from a mother's body. Uh, Goddesses, indeed, the givers of life. It just stops me in my tracks (laughs) when I really think about it. My wife and I, we actually recorded a vlog uh, where uh, while she was in the early stage of labor talking about how her psychedelic experiences may have prepared her for giving birth. You can see that on YouTube if you if you were interested. I'm not claiming to be some enlightened man. I have got so many, so many ways that I need to improve um, and show more respect to my wife and women in my life but you know for for my two cents women are the powerhouses of a healthy society Uh, my wife uh, it's it's her she charges my battery Uh, i mean of course it goes both ways um but, uh, but if it wasn't for her i don't know what 
I would, I don't know what I would be. I don't know. I, I would just be lost. I feel like, um, you know, the work that I'm engaged in is it's challenging. It's very challenging. And having someone like her that is equally skilled and compassionate, uh, to, to be there, uh, for me as a pillar of strength for me, um, well, there's just, there's just no greater gift. Um, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, I digress. Adoring my goddess, Courtney Rose. Uh, my guest today is herself a goddess, and I had the pleasure of watching her remember that. The way that she found us is unique and to me important because her referral came through someone I have a profound admiration of, uh, an, in, an individual that ran into the fire to recover his soul. One of my favorite kinds of clients, Willa Gray, was new to psilocybin prior to joining us in Jamaica. A novelist with a degree in music, Willa spent her last year travel writing through Peru and the United States. She's now settled in Little Rock uh, and is teaching music from her downtown studio. Willa is prepping her most recent novel, Problems with the Moon, for publication. Uh, I'm looking forward to sampling that read, and I am confident that I will enjoy it as much as you will enjoy this wonderful conversation that she and I had in Jamaica. Welcome, Willa, to the Soul Seven Chronicles. Thank you. So, as we always start, uh, I would ask you if you could take mushrooms with one person through history or in your personal history, who might that be? That would definitely be Maya Angelou. Yeah. Wow. That's so... Did you talk with Patricia about this? No, did she say the That's same the thing? That's the exact same person <laughs> she said, and it took me off guard. Wow. I just finished her um, autobiographies, mm-hmm. and she's so open to the world, and she's such a strong female mm-hmm. presence mm-hmm. that I just feel like it would be incredible. And even just taking with the women that I've taken here, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, dosing with strong women is just incomparable to any experience I've had with other women. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to put into words. It's like such a profound, ethereal thing. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I've certainly noticed is the value of having women present. Also men present, I, I'm a man, so that, that element is always present for me, but um, having uh, the female present for a psilocybin experience, and yes, especially strong women, uh, mm-hmm. that is that is such a, such a place of respect. Um, it is like the wellspring of life and safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and these the, this, this, the powerful mother, the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's also like, <laughs> um, you know, um, like a mother lion uh, protecting her cubs. Mm-hmm. You know, that potential is there too. Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it's really beautiful. We'll talk more about it, but the, um, the time that you and Courtney and Denise uh, and I think one of their... Mayor. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. head together there. After that third dose, oh, yeah. uh, it was really powerful. Just watching you all walk away and knowing that you were going to the sea to go and cleanse and mm-hmm. to continue the work, it was really powerful and really, really beautiful to see. So, uh, but before we get ahead of ourselves, um, let's let's talk about when you were first exposed to psilocybin as mm-hmm. a concept. Do you can you remember first hearing about mushrooms? Oh yeah. Um, so. Coming to this trip, this was the first time I'd ever been high. I grew up in a very anti-drug family, anti-alcohol, anti-any kind of altered state. And I grew up with a lot of fear around that. Um, And I'm almost 30. Um, I was married to somebody at the time who was very, very depressed um, to the point of being suicidal. And we had tried different medications for him and it just didn't work the side effects were just horrible he would get some sort of grasp on his anxiety but then there would be like we would have like no sex life and he would like feel not himself 
less anxious, but just apathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was getting to the point where our marriage, it was, it was very apparent that if we couldn't fix it, our marriage would be over. And he suggested doing mushrooms and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't let him do it. And I wish I had, but I was so afraid of, you know, it's, it's a felony to do it in the States. It's, um, I, so he showed me this site, um, that was talking about all the benefits of psilocybin and it seemed really, really good. And I wanted it to be true. And then I instantly like Googled, like, what are the side effects? What are the dangers? And I came up with these kind of fear mongering websites that kind of told me the same thing that my parents had and my church had. And, um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of fear of like, well, what happens? You'll get into a state you can't get out of or a trip that never ends. And I was so afraid that his brain was already destabilized enough that any kind of drug influence would tip him over the edge. So I wouldn't let him do it. He tried ketamine next and that didn't work. And eventually our, our marriage ended because of the depression. So that was the first time you heard about psilocybin? That was the first time. I think that was last year. Wow. Wow. In the spring, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, and, and where did you grow up? Um, we moved around a lot because my dad was a preacher. But Midwest, um, in the north, went to school down south, lived in Portland for a while, and then Birmingham. And Birmingham was where I heard about psilocybin. So what, what then... Um, inspired you to take this kind of this this leap for yourself to actually engage with psilocybin it's a pretty big step to go from just hearing about it a year ago and coming to accept it as potentially beneficial and then finding yourself here engaging with it four times over the course of 10 days yeah i mean i would have never thought i would be doing this Mm -hmm. well so september of last year um our marriage kind of hit the end and because i got really depressed as well. And when he was really depressed and I was really depressed, we just sank. There wasn't anything to hold us up. And we'd become so isolated that it just dissolved. And I would find myself just like staring at the wall and I couldn't think of anything I wanted to do in life. I just felt like so powerless and so helpless. And this, and that was when I ended up leaving um, a month later and it was the second time I'd been divorced and I'm just 29 right now about to turn 30 and it was a it was a really unsettling time for me and I felt like the universe was not benevolent I felt like everything was so chaotic and um, what happened with my ex kind of played into abandonment issues that I already had um, and so after I left, my ex was told me he was going to commit suicide if I didn't come back. And that was obviously super traumatic for me because I had a lot of love for him and he had a lot of love for me as well. Um, so for like two months, I thought I was just going to hear from someone that he was dead. Um, so this was in... Um, November. I'm amazed I can talk about this now without crying. This is wild. I've done a lot of good grief work. Um, so yeah, uh, after that, I just got out of the country. I wanted to get away. And part of why I wanted to get away was because I did not want to be here when he committed suicide. Um, so I went to Peru and he came to Jamaica. He came here and he sold his car to do it, told, said it was his last, if it didn't work, he would kill himself, and it worked. Like, I don't, I don't, that, so, it worked. He's like a completely different person, but not like a different person. He's like the person he always wanted to be, and was, like his true self that was always pushed down and repressed because of, you know, baggage and anger and, um, the depression and it took me a long time to believe it was real because I thought it might just be a ploy to get me back 
But then when I met him in person again and we started talking, it was just like he was smiling all the time. He was happy and he couldn't stop talking about like how much love there was in the world. And he went from being this person who could not engage and had just crippling social anxiety to just feeling like every stranger is like a friend waiting to be made. And after living with him for three years and then meeting this new person, it just, it felt like something I, I had to try because I never shook the depression that I gained in September. And, um, you know, the trauma of leaving another marriage was a lot and the way it ended was so volatile that I felt like, you know, if this could help him, maybe it could also help me with my PTSDs and the sexual traumas I'd had in my past, and maybe it could bring me to a place where I would be okay, too. So where where do you find yourself now after these four doses? I feel really good. I feel better. This is... I've never felt better in my whole life. I'm going to turn 30 on Wednesday, and I just feel ready for anything. I feel so good, so strong. And just, I feel loving again. That's a good feeling. You've had some difficult experiences throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you talk about some of that? Yeah. So I did four doses, and the final dose was actually the only dose where I didn't feel... Um, well, well, let me back up a little bit. Um, I had a therapist that used to say that wounds that are inflicted in relationship, in families, in groups can only be healed in relationships and in families and in groups. And I have gone through a lot of counseling that I found very helpful but like my abandonment issues, my feelings of being abandoned by my own tribe, I needed that to be healed by a feeling of love and acceptance in a new tribe. Mm -hmm. And I found that here. And it was extremely difficult because I I was triggered by a lot of things. Every single trip, I went into a place where I had to deal with my paranoia of not being accepted, of being preyed upon, Um, and a lot of fears. And when you're tripping, like they, it's like amplified to 10. But the amazing thing about tripping in a group is like you bring it with you and you get to deal with it here. Um, there was one trip in particular. Can I talk about the second trip? Um, there was one trip where I was kind of falling deep into trip space and one of the other participants told me that um, he had loved me from the first time that he saw me. And I got into a really, really bad space because um, when he said that, I was feeling all... I, I felt like I was going to be taken advantage of. I felt like I was not safe. I felt all of these things that I'd felt my whole life from men. And like he, him saying that cracked open the door to all of these tears and all of this grief that I needed to feel and release and let go of. And it was the worst four hours I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I went to a corner of the field, and uh, this amazing girl, one of the facilitators here named Sidi, she came and she sat with me and just, like, put her arm around me, and I was wailing and I had just like snot coming out everywhere and like clogging my throat it was like horrible but (laughs) um when I came out I we ended up spending most of the night CD and I talking about like how hard it is to be a woman um in a man's world and how difficult it is to hold your own space and not be shamed for who you are and just become without being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and feel like you can be um, 
Oh, man. That you can be this full, powerful self and that you can be beautiful and you can be sexual and you can be all of these things and nobody should be able to take advantage of that. You know, like you have the right to be that. Um, but at the end of the night, it took me a really long time to come out of it. Like every time a male came by me during that trip, my spine would just convulse and I would have like this intense fear reaction and I would just start crying again and wailing and oh God, it was awful. <laughs> my heart is like going again. <laughs> but at the end, but like, here's why it's so good to do it in the trip. And I was, I kept telling Eric, I was like, this is the worst trip ever. This is such a bad trip. And he was like, now wait a minute. Don't call it a bad trip yet. You don't know what you're learning. Um, and so at the end of the night, Eric and CD came over and I told Eric what had happened. And that this guy had kind of stepped out of line with me and how it had affected my trip. And, like, Eric immediately was like, all right, I'm going to pull him out of bed. <laughs> We're going to talk about this right now. So we sat right there in the field, like, under the stars. And I got to confront somebody who had stepped on my space as a woman. And that was the first time I'd ever gotten to do that. Most of the guys who have... Um, taken advantage of any situation with me, emotional, physical, whatever, you know, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And I never get the chance to say like, hey, that was wrong. You shouldn't have d done that. Right. But I was given the space to do that when we were all sitting together. And it made me feel, it made me realize that I was very strong and that I had a voice and that, um, you know, I don't have to be somebody who's easy to take advantage of. And I was given all the space and all the support to do that. And it wasn't fully resolved that night, but then even the next day during group integration, we brought it up again, but it, it happened in this very healing way where, um, I, at least I don't feel like I was projecting a lot of anger at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how you No, I felt like it was a, it was a very, calm discussion and everybody listened to each yeah. other which is so important yeah. yeah yeah and at the end it was like you know the person who um behaved inappropriately at that time like i'm glad he's here we've had good times together like i enjoy the dynamic he brings to the group mm -hmm. um after coming through that because mm -hmm. it was like this thing that we came through but after that was done like Oh my God, I felt so empowered, so empowered. Um, and the final trip that we're, we're, um, we did last night, we were all the four of us were sitting again by the fire. And, um, there were times where he was sitting, this guy was sitting right next to me. And all I felt was peace. And I realized that even if he was to say exactly what he said, the first night that triggered me that it wouldn't trigger me again and i just i it just blows my mind i feel like my brain has been rewired it's wild it is wild and it's wild how all of the all of the people that come to these retreats separately uh and how so many times other individuals will will embody those things that we mm. need to work on and and you helped him work through things as well in mm -hmm. that discussion right it wasn't just you right. you excelling from that he also did grew and expanded through that and i did as well you know before you even told me about all of that uh, and i sat right over there with you in the city and i was just like you all were talking about how hard it is to be a woman, and I was thinking specifically about times in my life when I have overstepped boundaries with women uh, and thought that, mm. you know, my love for them meant that they also loved me, mm. right? It's not, it's just not the case, and that's something that we all have to have eventually come to accept that, you know. Our story is our story, and mm -hmm. you know, other people aren't necessarily wrapped up in it mm -hmm. outside of our own heads. Um, mm. So, and when I laugh at your worst four hours ever, um, 
you know, I do that uh, knowing then that we would get through it and that good things would come out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been there have been guests that have uh, suggested that I am uh, that jokingly suggested that I am sadistic. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate watching people get triggered. And being there mm. for them with a, while they get while they're triggered, and just mm-hmm. being there with them, and knowing that that trigger point is the potential catalyst for mm. enormous growth and progress. Oh, so true. It's like the hardest and the best part of tripping in a group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what you said there earlier is so valuable. The the trauma that is inflicted by the community or within the the, the tribe has mm-hmm. to be healed mm-hmm. within the tribe. Exactly. That, that sense of like, I mean, and it makes total sense. If your wound is the sense that you don't belong, that you're not accepted, mm-hmm. the only place you can learn that you do is in a group, is by Absolutely. experiencing belonging and acceptance. And I will say like the love that we have between all the people that have been here mm-hmm. is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced such a strong bond to people in 10 days. Right, right. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So how does it, uh, you know, the individual who inspired you to come here went through one of the most profound changes that I've ever seen mm. through psilocybin. Uh, actually, right in that chair where you're sitting um, was the last night, the last trip where it all just kind of like, mm. really, I saw it sinking into him. Um, but he, he had that very pronounced uh, rebirth experience, death and mm-hmm. rebirth experience, right? And maybe it hasn't been as uh, um, as heavy of a direct rebirth, right, mm-hmm. for you possibly. So I'm interested in having such grand expectations after seeing that change. Mm-hmm. Uh, where kind of how, how that level has how how that has leveled out for you, um, mm-hmm. you know, and. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Does it does it in comparison to your expectations? Uh, what have been the realities? So. Okay. Well, I feel like each trip has kind of dealt with some aspect of my past woundings. It's been like a salve to that. Um, I feel like in the first trip, the first thing that was addressed was my depression, and after uh, the divorce, I was. I've always been a fairly confident person, but after the divorce, like, I just spiraled. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with, like, panic attacks and, like, feeling I wasn't good enough. And just, like, not just like, oh, I wonder if I'm good enough, but just like, you are not good enough. And it was just this almost like a disembodied, permeating feeling that went to my the marrow of my bones. It was so intense. Um... And the first trip was not what I expected. I expected it to go into like deep grief stuff, but the first trip put me in like a goddess space, which I hadn't expected at all. And so for four hours, like the first part of the trip was very like pleasurable and it was like awakening my senses and like the way I see the world. And I'm a very, apparently, I'm a very visual tripper, I've learned. <laughs> And it's just, I'm also an artist, and the way that I, the numbing of depression has just been so horrible because I can't write the way I want to write. I can't compose music the way that I could before depression, and it just awakened all of my senses again. And I spent four hours in this space, like, where I believed that I was a goddess and had, like, all this, like, power flooding through me and it lasted after after the trip the next day I felt happy and confident and the colors were still just as vivid as when I was tripping it was so wild it was such a relief I was so scared I was going to live the rest of my life in that horrible depressed place but that first trip, it just like got that, got that out of the way. Um, and then my second trip was the traumatic one we were talking about. 
And that one, I didn't know how that was going to resolve. And honestly, that didn't quite resolve until my third trip, which I did 10 grams. And I was expecting that big rebirth Mm -hmm. experience. Can I talk about what happened a little bit in that trip? Um, I, okay, wow, how do you even talk about this? Okay, so that second trip, I started to discover my voice, that I had it, that I could use it, that I didn't have to just be silent when shit happened, that I could address it as an adult, not as an angry child, but we, it could be reasoned with, you know, all of that, and that there could be a space made for that. In my third trip, I was feeling really stuck. And I was really in my head that I wasn't having a rebirth death experience because I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. And I was drawn to, um, we were tripping in at Treasure Beach, so it was beautiful. The tide was coming in, the waves were crashing, and I was drawn to the shoreline um, where some of my friends were. And one of the women there who's been so impactful um, on my journey she she was sitting there, and I sat down next to her, and she started telling me all these things about myself. She started telling me that I had a strong voice and that I was beautiful and that I needed, that the men in my life had kept me down and I needed to let my voice out. And I got a little bit freaked out, and I didn't know if I could. And what I was most afraid of, that if I, I was afraid that if I yelled, I would sound like a child. I was afraid that my voice would be small and that it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be big. You know what I'm saying? Because I had never, I had never let everything out before. And she just kept saying, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. And I felt like this wave of like, adrenaline surged through me and I held it back because I felt it coming up and I pushed it back down and then all of a sudden my voice just like exploded up to the heavens it was insane I cannot believe how loud I was it felt like five stereos like cranked to ten and I I I don't want to say it wasn't a scream it wasn't a yell it was like a roar and I, I roared as loud as I could until I was completely out of air. And then I just like, <gasps> and then like roared again. And I just, after that, that was, to me, that was my rebirth experience. And I fell over on the sand, completely exhausted, as light as could be. And this exchange of energy happened where that, in that, that, that roar, like everything, I'd ever repressed about myself came out and it was like, fuck no, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be me. And it is a good and beautiful thing. And nobody has the right to tell me that it isn't. And if they do, they can live their life. I'm going to live mine. And the ocean just like drew me. And I just like was so weak. I just like crawled to the ocean and just like, um, sat on my knees in hero's pose and then goddess pose with like my arms spread wide and I think I might have taken off some of my clothes at some point but it was like the waves just kept like washing over me and cleansing me and I I was so transcendent so amazing and that hasn't that hasn't gone away that was you know Monday and I still it still feels like it's settling and rooting and that who I am feels changed. I've certainly seen it all over you, the change. Mm. Um, it's really been beautiful and a pleasure to see. And uh, I really am very grateful for sharing these first psilocybin experiences with you. Mm. Um, it's really been... Thank you. It's really... You've been a very powerful addition to the group for the other women here mm-hmm. um, that second night that under the God laughing goddess tree uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know you played such an important role in helping bring mm-hmm. that energy through for the others mm-hmm. um, and then you know last night obviously you're you're howling uh, <laughs> helped 
to lift things up. And it's funny you talk about it as you you're roaring and you the net was it the next day or the day after that you got the lioness ring. Oh yeah, <laughs> it called to me. <laughs> That's beautiful. So what do you what do you hope to see for psilocybin? You know we're in this like you said it's a felony. Uh, I've got a felony for psilocybin. Uh, it's it's. It's so unfortunate that this is, I mean, abortion is not even to describe the injustice oh, that it man. is that this medicine is not available. So Absolutely. what are your hopes for psilocybin in the future? I hope that, I mean, I hope that anybody and everybody can take it. Like psilocybin, I wasn't suicidal when I came here, but like the person that I loved most in the world was ready to kill himself. And psilocybin worked for him, you know? Mm. Like I can't tell you how many family members I have who dealt with depression to the point of suicide mm -hmm. and this works mm -hmm. and it's like why you know like it's it's non-toxic it's non-addictive it's all of these amazing things and and it's not accessible mm -hmm. like you have to go you have to go to jamaica to get it like it's i don't know like i wonder how many more i mean people pay attention when celebrities commit suicide yeah. you know it's like We've got a problem, and we've got... We, we've actually been thinking about that. If there's any uh, celebrities listening to the podcast now, um, we have certainly been wondering if there might be an individual who um, would be willing to be public about their struggles and uh, mm -hmm. work with psilocybin, because we, we do need uh, public figures to speak out in favor of these medicines. And we need yeah, individuals absolutely. like yourself who are intelligent, professional people that experience it and come back and say not only is this safe but it is extremely valuable mm -hmm. and beneficial absolutely uh, so thank you very much for being a part of um you know building this body of knowledge that's mm -hmm. really what this is can i add one more thing please i've been in um like i said earlier i've done a lot of therapy mm -hmm. and i've done it in group sessions too as mm -hmm. well which i found i found helpful i was in a sexual trauma uh survivors group of women and man like now I keep thinking back to that and thinking how amazing and helpful it would have been if we had something like psilocybin to like aid us in our journeys yeah. because paradigm shifts like they take a long time right. generally they right. take 18 months but it's like this is <laughs> this is 10 days and you're seeing paradigm shifts happen oh it's amazing oh I mean you know Patricia, you know, the stuff that she yes. pulled out that she has through decades of therapy could not access. And to see her, to see that light bulb go off and for her to gain access to mm -hmm. that memory, um, so rewarding and so powerful and, and so humbling. Mm -hmm. Like, it lets you know how much respect this medicine deserves and mm -hmm. how fortunate those of us that get to work with it really are. Absolutely. So what's your what's your billboard? Somebody's driving down the highways <laughs> of the U.S. and they see a psilocybin billboard. What would Willa's billboard say? Oh gosh, life can be beautiful. Eat mushrooms. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it works for me. I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna build uh, a network of, of billboards all across this uh, world uh, in the, the pod, in podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling through podcast land with all these psilocybin billboards. <laughs> Stop here, psilocybin. <laughs> Change your life. Change your life. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Will. Again, it's been a real pleasure having you here uh, for these ten days. And uh, talking with you here on the on the Soul Seven Chronicles. Thank you. It's been best experience of my life today. Wonderful. Excellent. Everything you do, you're meant to do this. Thank you. So thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this powerful interview with a powerful woman, Willa. It's been great getting to know you. And I look forward to seeing what you create in the future for all of us to enjoy. I'm going to leave you all with uh, some information from and a reference to some more powerful psychedelic women. The following is taken from ZoeHelene.com. Zoe is the founder and chief visionary officer of Cosmic Sister, 
a feminist collective for women who understand the true balance of power between genders will bring peace, progress, and true sustainability. Cosmic Sister connects and promotes trailblazers in socially responsible businesses, including media, the arts, and sciences, ethical lifestyle, natural beauty, holistic wellness, human and non-human rights, sacred plants, and much, much more. We are gathering women who embody the Cosmic Sister ideal and are helping to share their inspiring stories with the world, Zoe explains. The Cosmic Sisters program focuses on helping women educate the public honestly about the risks and benefits of psychedelics and the responsible use of sacred plants in consciousness expanding mind, body, and spirit work with sacred plants. Women play a vital role in the psychedelic renaissance and have rich, unique, and fascinating voices to share. Their mission at the Cosmic Sisters is to see more powerful stories about women's frontline work in this arena to the forefront of public conversation, helping to promote a healthy gender balance in this important, exciting frontier. I encourage you to go to zoehelene.com, that's Z-O-E-H-E-L-E-N-E.com, and find out more about the Cosmic Sisters program. They are truly doing some wonderful work out in this world. And remember, folks, the world is full of amazing women and men. And if you have made it all the way through this podcast, then you must be one of them. (laughs) Safe travels in both your inner and outer journeys. I look forward to hosting you all again in the Psilocybin Chronicles. Mm